0: We hope you enjoy this episode of the Modern Divorce Podcast. But first, an important message for our listeners. Hi there, listeners. I'm Billy Tarazio, the owner of Modern Law, and I'm here to talk to you about something that I believe can truly make a difference in people's lives. At Modern Law, we're all about helping individuals navigate the complexities of family law, and sometimes that involves dealing with alcohol-related issues. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Soberlink, our trusted partner and sponsor of the Modern Divorce Podcast. From real-time alcohol testing, To its sleek and portable design, the tech of this device is top-notch. Facial recognition, tamper-proof results that are accurate and honest. This device can be core-ordered or by listening today, you can receive $50 off your device by going to Soberlink.com forward slash modern. I stand by Soberlink because it works. I've seen it make a positive impact on countless lives. It's not just a device. It's a lifeline for those on their journey to recovery. We believe in empowering individuals to make positive changes in their lives. Soberlink is an invaluable partner on that journey, and I'm proud to endorse it. Again, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash modern for $50 off your device and to learn more. Hello, welcome to the Modern Divorce podcast. Special edition. I'm Billy Tarassio today, joined by Lance Sandage, a good friend of mine who is taking time out of his Christmas Eve to join me to talk about what is happening in our community with the Gilbert Goons and the crime going on. Lance, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Good, Billy. Happy happy holidays and Merry Christmas.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so a couple disclaimers. I'm an Arizona attorney. Lance is in Kansas. He is not an Arizona attorney. And nevertheless, he is going to be giving us his expertise in criminal law and help us understand this investigation of what might be going on. None of what I am saying or Lance is saying is your legal advice. Get your own lawyer. All that jazz. So, Lance, um, how long have you been practicing criminal law?
1: Uh, I've been practicing 29 years exclusively criminal for probably the last 27 or 28 years.
0: Okay. And you've been involved in a lot of cases involving FBI, gangs, complex investigations.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of our sweet spot. We're a small law firm and based in Kansas City. We are a two-person law firm with a paralegal, and we do handle complex criminal investigations, both violent crime and white-collar um, I've done capital litigation, so I've defended people charged with murders that if convicted could face the death penalty. So, yeah, we've kind of experienced all of that over the last 28 years.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you giving me your expertise.
1: Well, I don't know if that'll be expertise, but I'm glad to uh, provide whatever value to you and to others that I can.
0: One of the things you asked me before we hopped on is like, why am I interested in this? Why am I even talking about this? Why am I spending time and resources on something that is outside of my area of practice? Um, And it's because I have teenagers and I live in this community and Gilbert is ranked the second safest city in the country of our size. And so we um, thought that we basically lived in a place that was crime free and just in the last 2 weeks have become aware of that not being true me for me it's been in the last 2 weeks i found out that um there is a group of teenagers or multiple groups that are terrorizing the community and regularly engaging in awful awful assaults and so now it's all coming out of nowhere and so we're dealing i think as a community with some shock
1: uh, that I mean, that yeah, we all don't want that in our community. That's pretty a fair statement. I live in a in a community where crime is uh, relatively low as well, and it's uh, scary when you hear about that stuff. So it makes sense, Billy.
0: Yeah, and we're talking in our backyards, like in places that I'm at all the time, and I I just I never ever saw it. So, um, it's crazy, and it's I've got people. Um, emailing me and DMing me, saying, you know, my kids are scared, and we tried to get help from the school, and they're not helping us, and nobody's talking, and so it it just feels like I feel a little bit of outrage.
1: That's fair. Well, uh, using your platform to in, um, inform others is probably there's probably value in that. So I'm, hopefully the community appreciates that.
0: I hope so. I hope so. I hope we can help um, get this cleaned up and wrapped up. But let's talk about kind of what's going on so just a little bit of background um i had heard that a boy was killed um and there were no arrests but i didn't really understand what was happening until an az central article came out with allegations that um this boy who died preston lord was uh just the latest in a series of victims by a, the same or similar group of boys that was randomly attacking people and that they were identifying themselves as the Gilbert goons. And that even since that attack on Preston that killed him, there have been other attacks that are recorded in public by these same groups of boys. And so, yeah, the the community is, is going crazy. And, and the other reason that the community is going crazy is because everybody pretty much thinks they know who was involved in the attack based on Snapchat, social media posts, and what kids are saying. So tell me, have you ever seen anything like this?
1: I, mean, I think that's pretty common, honestly. One as a criminal defense attorney. I'm always going to say, uh, kids, anybody is always innocent until proven guilty. The state works or, uh, at a very slow pace on these types of cases. It's not unusual. Um, and, um, yeah, social media and today in 2023 and moving forward, um, it's a large part of almost every criminal investigation. I, you know, I, I anecdotally will tell people that in the beginnings of our days, we would get a couple of binders of evidence, police reports, and lab reports, and now it, it'll be. Thousands of gigabytes of information, and most of it is social media or, or uh, forensics off of people's phones. So, and that takes a lot of time, not only for a defense attorney or a defense team to look at, but also for the state when they're investigating.
0: So, when you have this amount of evidence, does it actually make it harder or easier um, in terms of criminal law, either defending or prosecuting?
1: Um, I can't really speak specifically to a prosecutor. I mean, it's obviously anytime there's more volume that slows things down and that can kind of be a pressure point exactly what you're talking about the community, the pressure point the community might have. They want uh, immediate justice or reaction or something done and and the state is going to be um, careful in that because there's a lot of evidence that they have to go through and they're not going to uh, bring charges until they felt like they have a handle on all of that evidence. Um, as far as a defense attorney, the defense attorney or defending somebody, yeah, it's very challenging um, because there's just so much to go through. And candidly, uh, clients sometimes don't make the best decisions. That's why they become my clients. Um, And then also they talk about it and they record it on videos or they are social media. And so that's there forever um, in most cases. And then it comes back and um, you sit through a trial where you listen to phone jail phone calls or you watch videos of people reading you know, your client recording things or pictures from Facebook and you can't it's hard to defend that sometimes
0: sure okay um one of the things that people are talking about is civil lawsuits um, and whether or not these parents are liable whether or not they can be sued what's your take on that
1: I mean, I, it's not uncommon in any uh, in any criminal case. There's always going to generally be a para, parallel or another claim, a, a civil claim, where um, the plaintiff, the person that brings a lawsuit would have some sort of, uh, in a civil lawsuit, there's money in play, where in criminal cases, it's um, uh, freedom, candidly. And so, yeah, there's always parallel claims that can be had. Um, You know, more often than not, you don't see the civil claims until after criminal cases have either been brought or often until they've been concluded, either by a guilty plea or a trial with a conviction or an acquittal. And, you know, I think the example that I I give in these situations when talking to clients and people is, um, I think, O.J. Simpson trial, even though that seems like forever ago, that's a a really, I think, a simple example, right? Uh, uh, O.J. was tried, uh, acquitted of the criminal case, and then soon thereafter, the Brown family brought a civil suit against him, for basically the exact same claims and got a civil judgment against them. So, I think that's how you see it more often as criminal and then civil. But there's nothing keeping them both from happening at the same time.
0: If you do the civil suit, well, actually, in do the do the criminal and the civil suits, they both have their own discovery process. They both get to gather their own information. Does it get shared?
1: Uh, no. Not normally. The, the state who normally has the evidence in a criminal investigation will not share that evidence in a in the civil case, so especially the victims, when the, go ahead.
0: the victims won't get the evidence that the prosecution has.
1: I mean, I, I, this would be one of those times where I, I can't really weigh in on what Arizona law might look like. Uh, but I will say this, that this, the general rules are that uh Civil law enforcement or prosecutor's office are not required to turn over discovery to uh, civil lawyers, especially before a criminal case has been brought.
0: Sure. That makes sense. OK, so in this case, um, one of the issues is that you've got crimes happening in multiple jurisdictions that people are now um Tying together as gang activity, so we've got a whole lot of like layers to discuss here. And one of the municipalities has invited the um, FBI in to aid in the in the investigation. What? Why does that happen?
1: Uh, um, you know, anytime uh, smaller communities have resource restrictions, so they just don't have. Uh, The ability to do an investigation that is complex in nature, I don't know if that's the case for this community, but it's not unheard of uh, that the federal government has a lot of resources and the FBI has uh, digital teams that can look at social media and do cell phone investigations and maybe local law enforcement doesn't have that. Um, And, you know, look, uh, the federal government, FBI, they they are um, the best at investigating complex Difficult cases. And so they might just ask for some help on that. I don't think it means um, that anybody should read into it that the federal government is investigating these crimes, but then again, they might be as well.
0: Oh, okay. So just because the FBI comes in to aid an investigation does not mean that federal crimes will take place or that federal charges will be brought.
1: No. No, OK, not all. You, you see you can see uh, federal law enforcement in kidnapping cases or the just complex cases. They'll get involved in and share resources to help that community or that local law enforcement resolve that investigation. That does not mean that the federal government will also bring charges.
0: Another question that the community has is if it's clear to the community um, that somebody is guilty, why would law enforcement wait to make an arrest?
1: Well, that's that's a very difficult question to answer, honestly. And um, it's hard for me since I'm a criminal defense attorney to try to jump into the head of a prosecutor. But um, what the what we, the community thinks and what the prosecutor thinks, they have far more information at their disposal and resources and evidence that we might not have um, that's one. Two, uh, there's a variety of different crimes that they could be investigating. One could be um, the, the alleged assaults against uh, the person, but there could be more in play and more people are being investigated for a wide range of crimes. And so they don't want to disrupt that investigation by bringing one charge and they're looking at other charges.
0: Okay. So if they're investigating multiple charges, let's say they're looking at drugs and assaults and you know sexual assaults or whatever um they'll wait to gather all the information before they charge any of the crimes
1: i think that's a fair way i mean like it's a very um fact specific type of inquiry what you're asking so i don't think any two cases line up the same way um you and especially if you're talking about multiple jurisdictions involved you you know, law enforcement are going to have to collaborate on that. And, uh, in again, going back to something we talked about a few minutes ago, the, um, In the digital world and all of the social media, and did that really does slow down investigations quite a bit. Um, They have to be very particular about how they acquire it. Just because they see it on the Internet, that might not be admissible into court. So they have to go back to the source code, whether that's Facebook or Snapchat, and try to get it so they can uh, bring it into evidence. Just because we see it doesn't mean that they could ever play it in front of a jury.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned that. It makes a lot of sense and it'll help answer a lot of questions that the public has. Another question that is coming up a lot is the question of vicarious liability, felony murder. Um, If there were many people involved in the assault that ended up killing the teenage boy, Preston, would all people involved be charged with murder? Um,
1: if if the state believes that they can find evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that one or more people committed a crime then they can, uh, then they're free to bring those charges if they're ready to do that. It's hard, it's hard to say about um, those type of questions without knowing more of the facts. And again, it, you know, it's easy to, to jump to conclusions when it just seems so plain and obvious, but there are just so many different things that are in play on the law enforcement side that they're trying to slow and steady. And honestly, even as a criminal defense attorney makes my case, my cases and my ability to defend harder. But as a member of a community, you would want your law enforcement to get it right the first time because they, they they don't get second chances.
0: Okay. And talk to me about co-conspirator liability. How does that work?
1: Uh, I, I don't know what uh, Arizona's if they even have a conspiracy statute uh, at the state level, but um, in a conspiracy case, if uh, I think uh, maybe I'm a, I'm big on examples, um, if uh, you decide to rob a bank um, and uh, you ask someone to be a getaway driver, and that person under- agrees to be the getaway driver but did not know that a co-conspirator, somebody else that was robbing the bank brought a gun and they they thought that there weren't going to be guns involved and they went in to rob the bank and that person uh, discharged the firearm, maybe even killing somebody, the getaway driver could be held responsible because that person agreed to conspire to commit the robbery um, of the bank and so therefore they're responsible for the, the collateral consequences from that.
0: I do think that's relevant because at least the prevailing theory currently is that nobody, these boys didn't necessarily intend to kill Preston, but it happened. And so if they intended to assault him, then they could still be charged with murder. Is that correct?
1: I mean, they're uh, on. Most states have a variety of different homicide classifications, uh, murder, in the, what we do commonly call um, murder in the first degree, that is premeditated murder. That means that um, premeditation can happen very quickly, but it is that you were premeditated to kill that person. Uh, then there's murder in the second degree, which is uh, can be felony murder, like what you just asked earlier about. And it can also be what we call Heat of passion. So a bar fight turns in and someone dies. That's, again, that can sometimes be what we would consider murder in the second degree. And then there's what we normally call manslaughters. And that normally is some sort of reckless behavior that results in death.
0: Okay. Normally, when juveniles are involved in crimes, are their parents held accountable for anything?
1: Um, again, I—that's I, I, a tough question. Um, I mean, parents—not always, not often—to answer your question. I mean, you know, we could come up with a hundred examples where it would, and we could probably come up with a hundred examples where it wouldn't. So, I think the best answer to that question is it, the law enforcement is just going to examine the facts of the case and just determine all of that.
0: Okay. So, if if parents knew about it, then is it possible they would be? held responsible.
1: I don't. What um, What do you mean by new? I mean, you know, I'll throw it back at you. What do you mean by new about it?
0: I mean, I, yeah. So let's pretend and I have no idea if this is true. This is completely hypothetical. Let's pretend that the parents of some children knew that their children were involved in activity that involved fighting random people. And the prosecution could prove that the parents knew that their children were engaged in this type of activity do they have any liability?
1: I I think that'd be a really tough case.
0: So now most of the time, juveniles are independent of their parents and and their, their crimes are treated independently.
1: I mean, I I think that's probably a fair answer. Again, I'm not trying to backtrack on the answer, but that is so fact specific. Um, Now civil liability, and I'm not a civil attorney, um, but civil liability might have a different answer to that question. But from a criminal liability standpoint, um, that's probably a a pretty hard connection to make.
0: Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard of a parent being criminally charged for crimes of their children. I've never heard of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would be, you know, I've seen situations where there's been at least investigation or Allegations where uh, a a young person a juvenile is driving a vehicle and they're aware that uh, uh, that they've driven it recklessly and then the parents are someone held responsible or they try to make them being held responsible or they have weapons in their home and they don't do a good enough job protect restricting those weapons from their kids and so you'll see an investigation into parents in those situations house parties where people get injured can sometimes, or a criminal behavior happens, parents can be investigated for that type of allowing that to happen.
0: Sure. And that, that may be an issue here since this assault happened at a house party hosted by a father. So we don't know what's happening there. Um, We do know that the police department said that they had executed over 59 search warrants at a certain point in time. Is any of that information public record?
1: No. No.
0: Um, Are arrests public record?
1: No, not, not that I'm aware of.
0: Okay. So what, what is public when it comes to criminal I mean,
1: records? If, if someone was arrested and charged, it would probably become a public record. But if you were to go up to the local police department and say, I want Lance's a criminal record and I don't have any convictions, but I was arrested and never charged, you're probably not going to get a copy of that.
0: Got it. Okay. Super helpful. Um, Let's see. Have I missed anything? Can you, well, you've worked on cases with gangs. How are those treated differently from (laughs) individual criminal cases?
1: That's fair. Um, You know, I, I don't know if I, I dealt with, uh, Allegations that our clients have been involved in gangs that are normally involved in drug or uh, robberies of location businesses. Um, And I mean, those are extremely complex because those can trigger very, um, I wouldn't want, complex criminal statutes. Um, because you're trying to do kind of what you've asked a couple different times is you're trying to hold uh, individuals maybe you responsible criminally, which means they go to prison for other people's conduct, right? And a gang's conduct. And so um, they're just, they're, they're way more involved and they require a lot of work on the behalf of law enforcement to try to connect those dots. It's a lot easier when there's just a, if it's a single crime of a single assault of two people in a, in a fight. And it's, I think it's easier for law enforcement to investigate that and bring a charge. than if they're going to be trying to connect the dots and trying to figure out what a a group of people, whether we call them a gang or an association or whatever, we want to call them what they do collectively. And if the gang has a goal, you know, are they put together as a really a truly a gang where they're doing it for financial benefit or retribution in the, you know, for whatever the reason, or is it just a group of people that call themselves a gang, but they all kind of just do their own thing.
0: Okay. So all that matters.
1: It all matters. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. I think that the community will really appreciate these answers. I really do. So um, I appreciate you and Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah. Bye-bye, Billy. Have a good one.
0: One consistent theme you'll hear from me, Billy Tarasio, is that we do not believe in a one-size-fits-all solution. That's why at Modern Law, you can find anything you need for your family law case. For the highest stakes litigation cases, we've got experienced family law attorneys who can offer you representation. We also have embraced newly licensed legal paraprofessionals who can offer you legal representation for less and if you just need your documents prepared we can offer certified legal document preparers as well if that's not for you and instead you are representing yourself congratulations you are like one of the 70 percent of people out there doing it on your own and our newest offering win without law school can help For more information about Win Without Law School, go to winwithoutlawschool.com. To get representation options, go to mymodernlaw.com.